Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Belair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hey, my friends, before we get into this episode of Third Eye Awakening, this awesome conversation with Timothy Swisher, my heart star creator friend, I just want to take a moment to remind you that the Timeline Shifting and Manifestation Mastery Masterclass Bundle with a Dope Meditation is available for $55.00 as well as 5D Magic and Manifestation is still on an insane discount, $400 savings, where you essentially get two courses in one because you get my original 5D Magic and Manifestation that I recorded (laughs) while pregnant in the winter in my pajamas. Very low production quality, very high information quality. And you're also going to get the new... Uh, re-recording of the modules and the principles and the energetics and all the theory and all the practices and all the things that I will be recording this week and next week. I've carved time out in my schedule, so why don't you just come on in and get two courses in one and completely fucking change your life by manifesting everything that your heart truly desires for yourself. And finally, if you want to like really change your life and become an Akashic Records reader, learn how to set up your business, learn how to set up your practice and set it up in a way that is an actual reflection of you and the work that you are uniquely here to do, the gifts and the codes that you carry. So not a carbon copy of my business, but the unique expression of your business your soul mission service through the Akashic Records, then I am inviting you to join my Akashic Records training and certification. It's called Akashic Holographic Mastery. You can either join level one, which is a four-month immersion where I go into all of the important parts and pieces around reading the Akashic Records for others. And then I also go into business setup and structure, um, but again, not not in any way that's like your typical business coach bullshit, but it's like how to actually identify what you are uniquely coded to do and how to excel at that. And then level two is advanced concepts where we go really deep into the things that I have been shown and learned how to do in the Akashic holographic field, so meaning how the hologram works, timeline creation, timeline encoding, holographic matrix repatterning, how the Akashic field can truly yield the like basically quantum healing, um, DNA recoding, Akashic original soul key um, and soul history retrieval, like deep, subtle concepts that I have really, really loved working with. And I'm so excited to share with all of you who feel aligned to do it. So that is starting on June 23rd officially. Actually, wait, no, the first module is coming out on June 16th. 
Uh, but our first live call is going to be on June 23rd, so there's still time to join. This is a very unique round because everything is going to be held live. In the future, there will always be live components, but um, a lot of the material will also be like the pre-recorded stuff that I record this time. So if you want to get in on the live show and like <sighs> be part of making Akashic Records training and certification history with me, then come on in and join. I promise you the water here is fine. Okay. All the links for all of those things and more can be found in the show notes of this podcast episode. They can also be found in the link in my Instagram bio, as well as um, I'll randomly share them in Soul Space because it doesn't let me put a link in my bio, but whatever. That's where you can find it for now. I'm working on my new website. I'm hoping it will be finished by the end of June. Thank you for your patience with me. I love you so much. And without any further ado, let's get into the episode with Timothy Swisher. Hi, beautiful listeners. Welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. Today, I have what I know is going to be like a truly fascinating and very rich um, conversation to share with you with Timothy Swisher, who is... Um, a Patreon member, and he's a member of Heartstar Creator. And I've just been getting to know him in little tidbits through Patreon and Heartstar. It's been really wonderful. And I can tell that I could just tell, like, I think it was even before you joined Heartstar, Timothy, that I was like, I got to talk to, I got to talk to this guy. We, we need to have a podcast conversation. So this has been booked for a while and, and we're finally here now, but this is going to be really, really like, I think a great, a great sort of um, story and, and spiritual awakening journey to be taken through with multiple waves and layers. So Tim Swisher lives in Humboldt County, California, like Ashley Rose of our more recent episode. She is a self or he is a self-employed contractor. He's 65 years old. His journey into spirituality and seeking God um, has led him to find out that we have God within us already if we only observe and listen. He believes that we are made of God. And so welcome, Timothy. I mean, it's just really exciting to talk to you. We started talking before I hit record and I'm just like, I can't wait. I can't wait to get into it. So thank you so much for being here. First of all, being willing to share and start, start from the beginning, my friend, just tell us your okay. story. Well, um, I, I, I started off, um, I'm born a preacher's kid and the church I grew up in was called the Worldwide Church of God, which is considered a cult. And in many ways it was because they believed they were the only true church on planet Earth. And it was very small when I was born, which would have been in the 50s. But it grew to be about 100,000 members. But it was a type of belief that it was always about the end times. The world was going to come to an end. So I grew up in a lot of fear that the world was going to come to an end. Of course, I would never be good enough. And sometimes I'd come home from school and nobody would be home. And I thought I was left behind. And, you know, so it was kind of traumatic. Wow. On the other hand, I had very loving parents. And so there was a lot of good things about it. And today I'm connected with all the people that grew up in that church. But the idea was that the world was going to like be blown up in a tribulation, like kind of like end times. And our church was going to go be taken away to a place of safety. And then everybody else was going to pretty much die except for a few people 
and then everybody would be resurrected from the dead, everybody, and then our church would teach everybody else the true ways for a thousand years, and then after that, if nobody still believed, then you'd be put in a lake of fire where you'd be annihilated forever. And then after that, we all live happily ever after. Okay. So that's kind of a nice little fairy tale story. And uh, that's kind of what I believed, except for I didn't believe it. I, or I didn't know what I believed. By the time I was around 10 or 11, all that stuff didn't make sense. The world coming to an end. Uh, the whole idea that we're the only true people, we're the only right people on planet Earth. Something inside of me never felt, I think from the earliest age, I've never thought everything was right about reality or the world or just everything seemed wrong. I, of course, I, you know, I'm in the 70s and we're all kind of like uh, rebellious. I've lived in a lot of places. We moved a lot. I've lived in, I added it up. I've lived in 35 different cities in my life. Wow. But, um, yeah, um, we moved. We moved a lot when I was little. I've moved a lot when I'm an adult. But I, I was in a, when I started really getting rebellious. I lived in Pasadena, California, and um, I stopped going to that church then for sure, and moved out on my own when I was 17. Got into drugs. Uh, wasn't very successful at dealing drugs, and I've been in trouble with the law a few times. Uh, for drug possession um, and things like that. But uh, I got into psychedelics and the um, I really enjoyed psychedelic trips and I was very involved with LSD and we had really good LSD back then. And I remember going up in the mountains and feeling some kind of like real spiritual connection with, I didn't know what it was, but of course we were told that, you know, if you take LSD 10 times, you're clinically insane. So we also thought there was something negative about it. And then that one day came where I had that proverbial bad trip and I thought I was going to die and it was just horrible. And, and I don't know, I talked to a friend and, and then we thought we were being attacked by the, the devil. And, and then I'll, and then I just went out to my car, put on Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band and drove away and I got out of it. Okay. Anyway, I was never really able to enjoy LSD after that or mushrooms. I, it's like something happened. But before that, it was I, it was something. It's like I connected with this kind of weird thing that I'd never felt before. And I, there was something going on. All right. But the problem was I was addicted to other drugs, cocaine. And then eventually I got into opiates. And so I'm struggling off and on with drugs. So I'm trying to get clean and I'll try AA and NA. I even tried Scientology for a while. Um, I did their whole get clean through sweating in a sauna for a while. And um, then I, you know, kept going and going. All right. I got married. Um, well, first of all, in 2003, I, I got married and we adopted a, a little girl. I might talk about that later, but in 2003, I had gotten divorced. I'd lost uh, being able to be with my daughter every day. And I was on 200 milligrams of methadone a day, which is a very high amount of methadone. And I, there was no drug place would take me. So I went to this place in San Antonio and they just started praying for me. And 
after nine days, I had this like connection, some kind of spiritual connection came down and I was completely filled with some kind of God's presence or something. They call it filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what happened to me, but I kind of went into this heavenly state for a few days and I just felt this perfect peace that I had never felt in my life. And it was the best feeling I ever had. And I just go, wow. I didn't know. I've been around church and Christianity my whole life, but I never knew that you could experience God. And it felt really good. So I continued with that. I got clean. Um, I stayed in that ministry for like nine months. And then I went back. And that's when I met this girl named Lisa. She, uh, we hit it off immediately and we moved in together within a few months. And I'll talk about her a little bit later. Anyway, you know, life continues. Um, I'm being a Christian. Lisa and I are both Christians. Um, some things happened to where, you know, we had to be, Lisa and I had to be separated. I might talk about that in a little bit too. Anyway, um, Anyway, I end up in New York City, and I'm living there in 2012 in the Bronx, and I'm in this other place. Um, I'm painting a church for some people and kind of living on their property, painting their church, and I start hearing these sermons from these people, and I, I learned what Calvinism is, and then I started realizing that there's a lot of people that believe a lot of weird things in Christianity, and they <laughs> believe, okay, and, and I kind of took it for granted, okay, I already didn't believe in hell, but the Calvinist belief is that, um, you know, even babies, when they, not every Calvinist, but this group believe that, well, even babies are predestined to hell if they die. Everyone's predestined to heaven or hell before they're born. Okay, now that shocked me that people would believe that. And I really had a lot of respect for these people, but I, and I couldn't believe they thought that way. Mm -hmm. You mean a little like infant can actually be born and go straight to hell for all of eternity? Well, that's God's will. And so this really disturbed me, okay? Because I, I, I don't, how, okay, just bothered me. Mm -hmm. So I started deconstructing my whole Christianity. And I got rid of the whole penal substitution atonement. In other words, Christ didn't die for our sins in the way that God was angry at us and someone had to be crucified and die on the cross. No, that's ridiculous. We, we just killed Jesus. That's what happened. And then I got rid of the, you know, this eternal conscious torment thing had to completely go away. And I had to, I pretty much became an atheist because I just got rid of all the Christian nonsense. But I still was able to feel that presence. And that presence was way bigger than, than Christianity. And by the way, that presence felt just like an LSD trip, okay? And of course, I never said anything to him. And you know, by the way, Bill Wilson that started Alcoholics Anonymous said the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. when, he, uh, you know, when he wrote the big book, he got into LSD in the 50s and he said, you know, he got on LSD to try to help his people have spiritual experiences. And he said, you know, when I took LSD, it felt just like that first spiritual experience I had in the very beginning. So I, I wasn't crazy to relate the two. And the feelings are similar. They're like a, it's a, it's a connection. Okay. 
And of course, everyone's going to have their opinion about, oh, well, that's demonic, well, whatever, okay? And anyway, um, life continues. I'm, you know, I'm, Lisa and I are finally able to get back together after a reason that we had to be apart. And, you know, we are a twin flame relationship and I didn't know it at the time, but we get back into drugs. And then July 21st, 2021, I'm sleeping. She wakes me up from a nap. I go, I get up, I go out to my car. I come back in the house and she slumped over forward and we were together for 19 years and she's just slumped over forward and she's not breathing. And I try to wake her up and I can't wake her up. I can't wake her up. And I call the paramedics. I give her mouth to mouth resuscitation. I cannot, I cannot, she, I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to revive her and trying to save her life. The paramedics get there. They say that her heart stopped and I follow them to the hospital. I, I'm thinking, well, surely they're still gonna save her, you know, and, and she died, okay? And I, it's like she just sat down and died. And I, this, you know, and, you know, we had, we had I, I should say we, we were together from night, uh, 2017 to 2021, the, the full time, um, but we were apart for a period of time before that. Anyway, so this is the love of my life. And it turns out that we were in a twin flame relationship. And I can't believe she's dead. And we both had drugs. We were both like I was doing heroin. They found heroin in her system and she doesn't do heroin. But they didn't find heroin, but they found opiates in her system. I don't know where it came from. They found vodka in her system and they found um the benzodiazepines in her system. And so they called it a drug overdose. I, I, and she started having seizures after she got the Moderna vaccine. Um, about every few days, she would have a seizure. I hear today that people are dying from myocoma or something like that, where your heart, I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. I'm never going to know what really happened to her but they called it a drug overdose and she died. I really go off the deep end after this and I just wanna die. I try to kill myself with drugs and alcohol and I'm just literally going to this other space, this other world where I don't know, there's other entities inside my apartment. There are people in there. Now, when you take drugs, you can see things and you can have, a, you can see shadow people and you can hear things off in the distance, but these were actual people, flesh and blood in my house. And, and there was like drugs all in my house. And I would take the drug packets and put them in a bucket and hand them to a police officer who was, who was sitting on my balcony. And I would say, listen, I someone's planning these drugs. And anyway, it was a nightmare, but I was in a different reality. Mm -hmm. I was in a completely different place of real people that I was talking to. 
And every time I tried to take a picture with my phone, my phone was dead. And I, I was calling my family and telling them all this stuff and they didn't know what to think. And so I was making real phone calls, but these people never talked. I was did all the talking. I now I don't remember them ever coming in the front door, but I thought this was all real. Anyway, after a few months and after me being in the emergency room a few times, because I would just go outside and fall down and, and I, a lot of things happened for 40 days. I finally, some friends came and, and saved me and took me into a rehab and I got into a rehab. And today I've been, I've only been clean and sober for 19 months. Okay. So I've been hundred percent clean and sober and I go into this rehab and I get clean and sober. And then after about two or three months, I'm 100% clean and sober. I go to church and people are, this guy tells me, why don't you start meditating? And so he says, here's a video by Thomas Merton. Uh, you can just meditate. So I have, so I started setting my little timer, okay, on my phone. And I would just sit there with my eyes closed and start meditating, okay? And then I, start, I did this. And all of a sudden, when I'm meditating, I'm seeing, I, I'm going into other places, okay? I, I see like, I go into like total darkness and then I come back into a world that's being formed with these little bits and then everything is circular and then the earth is being formed and then time goes in front of me, like water, places uh, and land appear and disappear. It's like I'm seeing all of creation happen in front of me. And then I saw my third eye. And then I, I could tell Lisa's eye from everybody else's eye. And then it's like, she would come and join me. I, I know all this sounds insane, okay? But I kept having these visions and I kept just being with it. And then I started listening to podcasts and there was this girl lady named Jessa Reed, okay? And I, at first I didn't know what to think of her, but I started listening to her and then she started talking about a simulation. And then I listened to another podcast and I started listening to all these podcasts and they started telling me about, you know, well, we, we live in a simulation, this isn't real. And then I thought back about all that stuff that happened to me in my apartment. Well, that seemed real. Well, well, we are in a simulation. And then, and here this lady, Jessa Reed, she, she's going to alien school and she's on national television. And you know what? People are believing her and she's admitting that she's on meth going to alien school and still getting credibility. Well, that's pretty, that, that's a first, you know? Most people wouldn't give her the time of day. And, um, and I believed her, you know? And uh, and then I learned that I, that Lisa and I were in a twin flame relationship and I learned a lot about twin flames relationship that I also learned that there's a lot of nonsense out there about twin flame relationships, but they're very painful. They're very codependent. They're 10, very codependent. You can't live without them. And when you're with them, you can, you feel you're, you're living in this very high vibration, very high energy level. Um, and you kind of don't know what to do about it. And, and it, 
it can be a very painful situation. And we went through a very traumatic relationship off and on for 19 years, but we stayed together because no way are you gonna be apart when you're a twin flame unless some, if you don't know what you're doing, um, you, can, you just stay together. You forgive each other no matter what they do to you. Mm-hmm. you it's like you're stuck together because you're not, you don't realize what's going on. You just, you don't, you don't see what's happening. But um, anyway, so today um, it it all, it it all makes sense. And I still call myself a Christian on, on the idea that, you know, Jesus, he talked about, you know, the kingdom of heaven, obviously, you know, the kingdom of heaven is not the kingdom of this world. He's talking about a different consciousness. And, and you've talked about the Christ consciousness and, and, and some people that have helped me as, I mean, there's even a book called The Cosmic Christ uh, by Richard Rohr and people like Rob Bell. Um, there's a lot of people that are, are, that, that are teaching, like Rob Bell is teaching these kinds of things kind of on the down low. And um, what, what, so you can still, like Christ had to, he had to have been awake and be able to manipulate, manipulate reality. I mean, he did miracles. He walked on water. He multiplied food. Yeah. He healed the sick. I mean, obviously he wasn't just, I mean, what, who, what was God except for a, a being that was able to manipulate like molecules and atoms around him and was able to manifest something in his life. Like, I believe that we are from that same, you know, source mm-hmm. of God. We are from that same, uh, you know, we're made of the same being, you know, and Christ kind of showed us what he could do. And it's an awesome consciousness. And he was like a very good example for us on who we can be. And we just got, but we are so blinded by this ridiculous, like, uh, world uh, the matrix this i mean this nonsense i mean it's almost like in the garden of eden there's that story of the the apple you know it's like something happened something came and trapped our consciousness something changes because first we were created in the image of god genesis 1 says that we're in the image of god which tells me that we were able to manifest there was no there was abundance there was no lack we were living in peace. And then something came along where we were, our like consciousness was hijacked. And I don't pretend to know how that happened, but a different consciousness took over and, and that's what happened. And it wasn't God consciousness or Christ consciousness. It was this uh, world consciousness. And then immediately after that, there was murder. Um, and then, you know, and then we have the world as it is today which is absolutely insane. War, uh, everything that happens in this world is insane. And people, I believe, are beginning to wake up to it. And I, it, 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 I know we really, I mean, and then the way I'm talking, a lot of people, well, he's, he's completely insane. And people my age, if they were to hear this podcast, would probably think I'm crazy. But 
I also believe that in five years, everyone's going to be waking up or in less time than that, slowly but surely, I know it's happening. It can't help but happen because we're able, we're able to, I mean, after, after you start seeing these things for yourself, you can't really go back and you just can't. No, and you, start, you start seeing reality for what it is. And it's, it's, it's a lot more um, pliable than we realize. And, and we can manipulate, we, we can move it around more than we realize. And so much more. So much more. It's, it's malleable. It's movable. Um, I'm learning. I, I'm still way new at this. And I, I'm, you know, obviously nobody has all the answers. I mean, you get on, you get, you know, there's so many different things. There's so many different people that have all the answers. Right? Mm -hmm. And we have, we all basically have this within us to listen to. I mean, even, even in the Bible, it says, you know, you have this within you to hear it. We kind of have this within us. And so we have this spirit in us and this three-dimensional body can be observed and we can walk around with our spirit observing our body, but that's not really who we are. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like who we are in this three-dimensional realm for right now. But I mean, when I meditate, I remembered past lives like I never thought about that before. I remember dying in Atlantis. It was very clear. I remember being in many battles before, you know, as a warrior. Um, I, 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 I died one time. It, it, the first time I died in a meditation, it was quite scary. I thought I was really dying um, I, when I drowned. But I've gotten used to being able, but it's not scary anymore. And I've learned that I'm, I'm not afraid anymore of grief. I'm not afraid to go through the pain. I want to feel every bit of pain I can because all it is is more pain. I will, well, I, you know what? I, I will even pray, you know, bring on the pain. That's all it is, it's pain. Whether it's pain or joy, you know, if we can stay into that higher uh, vibration or whatever you want to call it of acceptance, I accept you for who you are. I need that courage and the peace, peace, acceptance, um, and, and, and all that could equal love for each other. That, that's all that really the point is, however we want to get there, you know, and everybody's right. Whatever you want to do, whatever religion, whatever teaching, any, everybody's right as far as I'm concerned, if it's working for you. Just don't try to insist that I have to do it your way because we're all different and maybe that's how it's supposed to be we're all just different you know if well, you want to be a Jehovah, you know yeah I mean I think it is like I, I remember really having this realization on a deep it's not like I hadn't thought of it before but it really became clear to me in 2020 because right everything popped off and everybody had a fucking opinion 
And wasn't just everybody virtue signaling left, right, and center, especially after the George Floyd incident, then everybody's like, oh, I'm on the side of being, you know, part of the solution, not the problem. And like everybody was so sanctimonious, but at the same time, they were like screaming at each other. Oh, and all the Trump and Biden stuff was happening. Oh my God, it was 2020. No, thanks. Never want to go back and repeat that again. But it was just so, there's so much on both sides of self-righteousness and like basically yelling at each other that everyone else is an idiot and should be believing what like, you know, they would say like, you should believe what we believe essentially, but really what it was, what it all came down to every single person that was taking up that position was you should believe what I believe. But they would say we because they wanted to believe that there was a group of people that are just correct and that everybody else is an idiot. And it, I just remember being like, this is a fool's errand. Like, it's impossible. It's not possible to achieve like unanimity, except unanimity in love. And that is the objective. And we're all going to get there. I truly believe that that's what the, the, the air quotes, the flash is. And I don't think that we're, you know, I've been talking, well, you know, cause you're in Patreon. I've been talking about this tsunami that I feel coming, but I don't believe that's the flash. I just believe it's a big, big wave, a big new wave of awakening. But, um, Ultimately, I believe that there is going to be what we would call a flash of light. And I believe that is the activation and the like anchoring of the collective human consciousness into the heart, into the Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a ways off yet. So that level of unanimity is possible, I believe. And it's just, it's like surrender to the divine ultimate truth, which is the divine ultimate love. But everything else (laughs) is there's no way for us to all be on the same page. It's not possible. There's too much variation in our perspectives, our journeys, our experience. And to require somebody to adopt our perception of what's true is to basically invalidate their own experience. And what's the point in that? Why would we ever do that? And who is anyone to invalidate somebody else's experience? And there is so much beauty in the diversity of our experience. So if we can just drop the idea that there is like a, a right way or a right belief or whatever, and just be like live and let live with some exceptions, like some boundaries of like live and let live as long as we're not violating the free will of another being and causing harm to others. Right. Um, But if we can live and let live in the belief realm, then we get the benefit of It's like, would you only want cinnamon as your only spice forever, forevermore? That's it. Just cinnamon ever. No, you want, you want a variety of spices because it just really, they contrast each other and they, um, what's the word? Like they amplify each other, complement each other. Like they even create dissonance, a sense of like, well, that doesn't go well. And all of that is data input. And if we understand that the whole purpose of any of this is to basically process data and learn more about ourselves and accept mm-hmm. ourselves on ever deepening levels and accept each other on ever deepening levels, then the objective ceases to exist of like, we all have to get on the same page in order to find a solution. Yeah. Well, Christians have got 
to stop this judgmental nonsense. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, it's, uh, I mean, even all the ones that are coming out of uh, a new age that are doing the Christian thing. Um, I, I, the, the thing is, when you first become a Christian, you get this big, you feel this kind of presence and you get this big, you're on this like really pink cloud. And I think that's when a lot of people do their testimony. Okay. Yes. When right. That, when that first <laughs> happens. Okay. Okay. Totally. I, I want because I know this because I've been involved in the ministry called Teen Challenge, where all these at you know we're drug addicts. You, you know you've been on drugs for twenty years, and then you meet Jesus, and all of a sudden you're doing your testimony, and you're trying to witness to your whole family who's been supporting you and helping you and helping you for all these years, and you're and you got all the answers because you're just you see something so new in your life. But really, they're fine. But you have such a new awakening that's so different. But okay, I want to see how you're doing in five years when you start seeing what the church is really like and what's really happening here. Okay, because it's easy to have a testimony when you when you first are when you when something's new and it's fresh. It's so easy to get excited and do a testimony on YouTube. Okay, um, but. You know, I can't tell you how many testimonies I've seen where uh, people get off drugs where, where, you know, well, well, I know that guy's shooting heroin right now, but it's already been recorded, you know, hmm. so, um, but uh, it, it, I'm not talking about in other cases, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, testimony for a drug addict that a testimony might not last for very long in some cases. And even for a non-drug addict, right? Like, right. yeah, for anything. Yeah. I, I had that experience in October, November, December, where I was, I was like watching so many testimonies because yeah. I had started to really see the deception in the, the new age. And I was like, shit, 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 shit. Like, am I in the wrong place? Am I, my big fear was, am I leading people down the wrong path? And I don't even realize it. Like, have I, have I done irreversible damage? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And so I'm listening to all these testimonies and man, did I come so close to being like, I think I need to jump ship. And ultimately what gave me pause and pulled me back was, I was like, well, if I'm going to jump ship, I better read the Bible. So I started right at Genesis, mm -hmm. got, you know, a ways in. And I was like, mm, mm, mm. I had, there's more going on here than, than what, like, and I tried different denominations. I tried to understand, like, I, I mean, I don't think I have the balls yet to go into what I think has happened with Christianity and like the way it got entangled with Judaism and what is actually happening in the Bible. And plus I kind of feel like I need to finish reading it first so that I can speak from that foundation. But basically I feel like there are some incongruencies that are massive, huge glaring red flags with neon signs pointing at them. And I don't hear a lot of people um, really addressing it. And so in an official capacity, right? Other people have views and opinions, but if I had decided to go with the momentum of feeling like, whoa, like really, you know, mind blown by these um, testimonies. And I had decided I'm jumping ship. I'm making the decision and I'm going to record my testimony and put it on my podcast and upload it to YouTube. 
I probably still, I would have had to have taken it down because it wouldn't have stuck yeah. because, and I looked into yeah. churches in my area and I was like, I, you know, I was raised Christian. I can go back to church. I can do it. I'm older now. Like it's different. I can see it differently. And I would look into yeah. their philosophies and I can't do it. There's something, there's some, something for me that is like, it's missing the mark. And to, to the very beginning of your story with the cult, I believe that a lot of Christian denominations or churches in particular, you know, cause a denomination is a big umbrella of interpretation. And then the individual churches are, you know, a, a congregate, an organized congregation that are speaking to that interpretation. So it's probably more accurate to say churches. And I'm sure some denominations lend themselves to this more than others, but I feel cult energy. I feel yeah. cult vibes because yeah. even though it might not be centered around always around a cult leader, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't the, the Christian um, cult potential and I'm sure this also applies to other organized religions. I can only speak to Christianity right now in my life is the requirement that you blindly obey um, rules and dogma. Mm -hmm. um, you adhere to interpretations that don't necessarily jive with you and that it encourages us to just disconnect from our own interpretation, our yeah. own intuition um, yeah. in order to, like stay within the community. And that, I find that distressing because for example, I was listening to one of the ways I was working through the podcast was to listen or sorry, the Bible to listen to a podcast called the Bible in a year, which um, was read by a Catholic pastor and he, you know, a Catholic father. And he, um, he was reading from, I don't know, the Bible, like second Catholic edition or something like that. But when we, when he would get to hard passages in the old Testament, he would say, it's going to be your like, sort of, um, in instinct to be like, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't feel right. This is like violent passages, you know, right. where God is like telling the Israelites to basically like slaughter an entire people because they are yep. God's chosen people. And it's somehow mm -hmm. that makes it okay. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. the God I understand would never, never do that. No. So anyway, he's basically telling you to override your own intuitive filter that tells you this isn't right. And to, believe like to, just to keep going it's it's a very gaslighty kind of thing it's like yeah. don't listen to the internal thing that tells you that this doesn't make any sense and this is this isn't an okay but you know thing to build your beliefs yeah. on and just defer to the authority that even if it doesn't make sense to you there's a higher reason and i don't know well, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Okay. Because Josh, Joshua, for example, was told to commit genocide and kill all the everybody, even the animals. Yes. Okay. Obviously, they were not hearing clearly from God. Okay. You have to like, if whatever Christ taught is, is how I would interpret the Old Testament and a lot of Christians do today. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he taught nonviolence. Mm -hmm. So obviously, I mean, God would have to be a Janus faced God, if he told you to kill infants and babies one day, and then Christ is, is absolute anti-violence. 
So whatever Christ teaches, have to you have to believe that in the Old Testament, they were not hearing from God. Whatever they were hearing from wasn't God. I mean, God was not violent in the Old Testament. And there's a lot of Christians that, that don't, you know, just like they don't believe in penal substitution, like Christ did not have to appease an angry God to die for sins. You know, he just didn't. I mean, the whole sacri sacrifice thing, I mean, Christ died for our sins, but but he, he was a sacrifice, but we don't even do sacrifice, you know. I don't know all the reasons why, why um, I mean, the Jews had sacrificed and Christ died, so they don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. But, you know, he was a prophet, and, and, and there's a lot to even be taught about that. I mean, you know, the, the story, even like when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, you probably know, they found all these, you know, Essenes literature and all the Gnostic Gospels. I mean, even some of that could be true. Mm -hmm. Some of that even makes sense, you know, about, um, you know, but of course, uh, there's ways to read the Bible, even in the New Testament, to where they were way more enlightened than, than we give them credit for. Um, even There's even ways to read the Apostle Paul where he was way more enlightened than we give him credit for. I mean, when, when he says things like, we are not uh, wrestling against uh, flesh and blood, but against principality of darkness, it's almost like he's talking about the, the false matrix or something. It's almost like he, I mean, you could read the New Testament talking about, you know, you could, you could read it in that way. And there's people that do read it that way you know, modern day people that read it that way, you know, that these people were way more enlightened and that Christ taught them a lot after his resurrection too, about, about the kinds of things that we're talking about today, the exact same things. I mean, how did Jesus do these miracles? Mm -hmm. What, how did he manipulate reality? I mean, was it just like, okay, I pray the father and just bing, bang, boom, or was he actually able to manifest reality, the things that we're talking about? You know, like yeah. atoms, atoms are just energy, manipulating mm -hmm. energy. I believe that's how Christ did his miracles. And when I think of it that way, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Well, of course he could. You know, he was a manifester, <laughs> really mm -hmm. good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's what that that's what I perceive too. Is yeah. like he just he was in ma in basically in mastery in mastery yeah. of his consciousness while also being embodied in like this, you know, sort of this dimension, this bandwidth um, of reality in a human form, and even to like make the comparison to Moses, it's interesting in Exodus the way that Moses performs, you know, all of those, like the plagues yeah. against Egypt, yeah. he yeah. doesn't know how he's doing it. It is, yeah. it is Yahweh that is doing yeah. it. And yeah. whereas Jesus is do Jesus, uh, I mean, the way that it comes through to me is that he's not praying to Yahweh or God to fulfill these desires that he has. He is, mm -hmm doing it himself because he is yeah. in mastery of this realm yeah 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 exactly yeah i um yeah i don't know much about the the the, the moses 
about those plagues. I, I, I never really learned much about if those really happened or if they were like more of a, you know, a story, you know, or if they really happened. It's like everything in the Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis, you know, came from a lot of those stories are Old Samaritan texts, um, you know, like even the Tower of Babel, um, uh, the, you know, of course, the flood, like everybody had the flood story, um, you know, the I mean, this earth, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to the, the Graham Hancock, you know, he is. Um, and then, the, you know, 12,000 years ago, there was a big flood and the, war, the earth did start over from a big flood. And then those accounts were told in the Samaritan stories. And then the Bible, of course, has the Christian story of that with Noah. So, so all the, it's, it's almost like all these stories come from some real events somewhere and then told, you know, in, in the Jewish tradition is how they told these stories, especially in gen, the Genesis stories, you know, the first 13 uh, chapters anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then there's these little hints all through the Bible. And even, even that story of Joshua that you mentioned where you're supposed to commit genocide, there's one little verse in the middle of that when he asked God, whose side are you on? And God says, I'm not on anyone's side. But I never hear that preached about. But there's a little verse there where he, God answers them. I'm not on your side or their side, which I find interesting. That is and very then interesting. I, and then, of course, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people today that think that there was a lot of UFOs involved with all that stuff back then. You know, that's another idea. I mean, I don't know. That's the problem with watching Gaia. You can uh, <laughs> get filled with a lot of ideas. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Gaia, You, I mean, it's just like anywhere else. Like it would be so nice to believe that everything that's on there is like a really pristine, high quality, super high integrity. But I, I feel like just like everywhere, we have yeah. to employ our discernment and take things with a yeah. grain of salt. Um, yeah. Because yeah. just like you said, nobody, nobody has... Nobody has the answers like bona fide, guaranteed, no. like stamp of approval from yeah. the ultimate source. Yeah. We yeah. all have our speculations. Yeah. So what well, what do you believe, Tim? What what do you like? What's uh, your perception of this reality currently in this moment? Um, I believe it's so it's hard to believe that we live in a simulation, but I believe we live in some kind of simulation. And I'm hoping that a loving God is in charge of that simulation, okay? <laughs> All right, the source, okay? Mm-hmm. And I like the term Christ consciousness because it feels home for me. I can resonate with that, okay? I, when I, it feels, I, I, I still believe there was an actual man named Jesus Christ that actually came as human. It was God, okay, and man um, that did exist, okay. I don't know what he really did for most of his life, though. I don't know that he was actually a carpenter. He could have been doing other things, become enlightened, okay. Nobody knows what he did his whole life. Right. And, I, and so we don't know what he was really doing. Um, so I, so I call myself a Christian, but I do not believe in hell. I don't, you know, eternal conscious torment at all. 
I, I, I have a real problem with mainstream Christianity. I don't believe, I believe everyone's included. The whole world's included. Okay. Um, I, I believe that, um, so I can still call myself a Christian, but not evangelical Christian to some degree, but I'm with you. I'm just learning. I, I'm taking this. I appreciate that you say that we're all learning this together and that we kind of can seek each other for the answers. But I think we have all of this within us because I really believe that we're all made from the same source of, of and when I meditate, I can see my light body. I mean, I mean, when it's dark, my, my whole, my hands are going, I mean, I'm completely blindfolded, but my body is light. Okay. So I'm made of light. Okay. I know that. All right. Because I see it physically. And so there's this great source and we're all made from this. So I'm not God, but we're all made from God. And then even the Bible says Christ lives in us so that we, so it's pretty clear that we're made from the same thing. Okay. Even the Bible will say that. All right. And, you know, we are filled with this spirit. So everything in the Bible says that we are connected completely with God, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. All right. We are part of that. So I believe that. So um, I don't know. Since we have this ability within us, I, I, I was drawn to you because you're not trying to like preach that you have all the answers and that maybe through community, we can figure this stuff out slowly, but surely that's the only way I see to do it. Okay. Really. Okay. And if it works great, if it doesn't work great, but bottom line, M is my life living in a, in a sense of peace, a sense of courage, a sense of uh, the ability to accept everything the way it is and just go with a flow state. If I can remain there, that's all that's really important, okay? Um, it's really about that simple. And like in the Bible, you even say, love others as you love yourself, period kind of keep it simple, all right? Um, and whatever it takes to do that, I mean, whatever, I, you know, it's hard to do this work. It's not easy to go because you have to deal with a lot of, I have to deal with a lot of darkness. And yeah. I, I, I guess you call it shadow work, but, but I go in and I, I remember all this trauma and stuff in my life and I deal with it every day. And it, it's not always fun, but it, but I welcome it. Bring it on, because we have to experience all the. We can't just stuff all the pain in our life. So I experience it, but it's okay. It's not a big deal, like I used to think it was. I'm not afraid of grief, like yeah. I, you know, like I was. I, I welcome grief. Well, let's yeah. let's talk about that a little bit because okay. I feel like that is such an important piece and one of the biggest tragedies. For me, as I witness the world, is yeah. how many people are not living up to their potential, but like not even remotely, even a tiny bit close, not even yeah. a little bit close. Yeah. And the main factor I see behind that is that we've all received so much trauma 
and we have no idea how to deal with it. And so all of our energy goes to pushing it away, numbing it out, disassociating and maintaining that state of like separateness from ourself. And like, you know, like people will just like do anything to avoid it re-experiencing and completing the process of, you know, well, completing the process of processing that pain is really what it is. And they'll go to, to any length to avoid it because they don't want to feel the pain, but what they're doing is just spreading that pain out, like in a low level, but constant day in, day out, every moment way until they actually deal with it. So it's not like you get to avoid the pain. You're just, you're holding yourself in like, it's like a lower level of pain, but it's in constant. And I agree with you, like the, like facing the darkness is so necessary. And, but did you get to that place after the death of the love of your life and just that level of rock bottom where you're just like, oh, kind of like Ashley and I were talking about on our podcast conversation where she had her super rock bottom and I had mine with Killian. And then you learn like, I mean, it's awful, right? Like it's awful. It's not like I'm like inviting that back into my life. I know it'll happen at some point because it's just the nature of being alive is that somebody's going to die or some big thing's going to happen that'll take you to that dark place. But I'm also not scared of it anymore because I know that like, if if I could get through that, I can get through any version Mm -hmm. of it. Is that what happened for you? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I've made it clear the how much pain that I, I I'm a completely different person and and I've had a lot of counseling and I still talk to a therapist um there's not many people know what I've told you in this whole podcast but a couple people in my life okay but um when I first started meditating there was there was entities that were so horrible and disgusting and dark um, that I couldn't even be with them at first. I mean, they were too much. I had to open my eyes because they were the most horrible, scary feeling. And, and, and I'd never experienced that kind of like weird feeling before. And it was also something else was weird. When I would go to this prayer place in, in, in Reading, it was called Bethel, which is a real charismatic campus. Whenever I'd go into their prayer room and, and started like praying or meditating the whole everything would start shaking in the beginning it was really weird it's like these evil spirits or something in me didn't like it or i I don't know what was happening at first i thought the students were messing with me or something but the whole floor was vibrating okay in the very beginning and and it was weird i finally i i talked to my friend seth and then, I, you know, and he finally said, Tim, you got to just face these dark entities. They cannot hurt you. OK, because he had been through it. So I started facing them and talking to him and kind of like he said, well, here's what Jesus said to him. He said, just get out of here and go. And, and Seth is really cool. He's got he's completely awake. And he's the one that told me about the twin flame, that relationship. And he's got a degree in theology and psychology. And he uh, said, you know, let's talk to him like Jesus did. Say, you know, you can't be in my life. Go. You have no importance here. And, and you, you know, because they're, you're just, they're just part of you. 
and they cannot hurt you. And I said, you know what? They can't hurt me. And so then when I meditate, you will see a lot of, uh, well, I see a lot of dark, ugly looking entities that will come toward me and try to be mean and scary. And I just talked to them, okay, you can't be in my life anymore, go. And then they would get meaner and bigger and uglier. No, go, no, ah, you're funny. I've made some of them cry before, okay? I'm not doing that anymore. You know, and these big, hairy looking, ugly things. And then I started getting to the point where, you know what, what even makes that ugly? I said, I don't even think that's ugly. I think that little ugly face is pretty, you know? <laughs> I mean, why do we think a monster's ugly? That's what I was starting to wonder, you know? Anyway, it's just stupid stuff, but I'm not afraid of the darkness anymore. And I guess I was so programmed in Christianity, whoa, demons and, and stuff. It was all really stupid programming. These things are nothing to be afraid of. They're, they're just basically um, stuff inside of us that we just have to recognize wants to control us, but it doesn't have to control us. And then they don't really bother, they don't bother me anymore, okay? Maybe on occasion. But after getting past any of that and not being afraid of it, the darkness, I'm not afraid of the darkness anymore. I, in fact, I'm, I'm interested in it. And it, it's hard to tell that to a Christian that you welcome the darkness because they're gonna think black right. magic, right? that's the, Right, but, or you're, you're um, like, I, you're a Satanist now or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm just trying to tell you, well, it's just reality. There is a darkness too, along with the light. And, and it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just another, it's just another thing, okay? And mm -hmm. it's, it's not scary, okay? I can meditate and be, I mean, it, I can't put this stuff into words. Mm -hmm. to really explain what I'm, but I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, anyway, what, what, what's, I'm not sure what started that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, well, because you had mentioned that you, you know, you, you do a lot of shadow work, you experience a lot oh, of darkness. Yeah. Yes. And I yeah. wanted to talk about that. And I think what you just yeah. said was so perfect because yeah. that is what I perceive too, is that it's, it is very hard to put it into words because almost like as, as the words are coming out, I can feel the potential of misunderstanding. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to, but I want to fuel any superstition. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, I'm restricted to spoken language just like the rest of us are. So the way I perceive it is that the darkness and the light are they coexist. I believe that in this universal time matrix, that is the basis of the polarity, um, which is required for this, this, you know, universal time matrix to exist that this, I don't know if it's like just this universe, if it's a, um, a multiverse, like I believe in a multiverse, but I don't know if the, these particular polarities of like good and evil, or I would call it love and evil, dark and light, whatever. Um, if that's, part of many other universes or just this one, but regardless, here we are in this one. So that's what I'm going to speak to. And I believe that um, we'll never truly fully eradicate the darkness. That's not the objective. In fact, 
it's not the objective to eradicate anything because that is very violent and warring um, motivation uh, as if something like we cannot be at peace. We cannot experience the divine eternal love that we all inherently fucking are in every moment until yeah. that darkness is eradicated is yeah. just such an illusion. So, yeah. and yet I do feel like the, in a grander cycle that I, you know, can only see hints of, and it's much bigger than my human mind can truly fathom. We are at a place where there is, there appears to be an imbalance that is in the process of correcting itself, where the the darkness grew larger than the light. And that, that seems to be correcting. And it's a messy, 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 messy process. And many shadow fragments are being um, released and must be dealt with in the process. But the way we deal with it is not to superstitiously push it away as though it has any power, as though I believe that the light trumps the darkness ultimately in in all scenarios ever. And so I genuinely don't have a fear that the darkness is going to engulf us. I know it's not going to, but I know that it's also painful and confronting and messy to be in it at the level that we're in it. But if we can be present with the darkness in our hearts. And just like you described him, it was so perfect. It's like, it's sometimes I think it's an integrated piece of our, of ourselves, those like horrible, hideous shadow creatures. And sometimes I do believe that it is like almost like a tulpa of a thought form, or it can be a literal like entity, a consciousness that doesn't have a body that isn't necessarily part of our soul consciousness, but is nonetheless part of the greater oversoul consciousness that is, you know, coming. And in either case, the only thing, the only weapon they truly have to use against us is all of our own, like unintegrated wounds and trauma within us. So they will take that and they will shove it in our face and try and scare yeah. us into believing yeah. that we're small and we're worthless and all yeah. the things that cycle through our minds on our bad days. And when right. we can recognize that it's like kind of like sticks and stones break my bones, yeah. Um, yeah. but names will never hurt me. When we yeah. can recognize that, then yeah. we no longer feel disempowered. And like that thing, that scary thing they're shoving in your face, that thing you regret from the past or yeah. that that, you know, nightmarish trauma you experienced when some other person, you know, invaded your personal space, your sovereignty, your boundaries, whatever. Um, They're just taking a part of your experience and using it to scare you. And when you can like reclaim ownership over that experience and be like, no, you don't fucking get to scare me with the memory of the rape from my past. That was, that's mine. Like you don't get to use that against me or you don't get to scare me with that. Um, you know, thing that I, I did to somebody that I deeply, deeply regret and wish had never happened. I feel so much shame around it. You don't get to use that against me. It's mine. And then we can't just say it's mine and that's it. Then right. it's like also, yeah. well, then what are we going to do with it? If we recognize yeah. it's ours to yes, process exactly. and it just takes all the power away from those dark entities. That's all they have to use. So it, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of an illusion and, and yeah, yeah it, it is. And, um, and the light is stronger. Okay. It always is stronger. And, and you can even tell the, the dark creatures you know what you need to go into the light 
okay, go into the light, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but you can ask them to. Mm -hmm. um, and, you, uh, you know, and one thing I try, I try to do, but it's, I don't know if you do this, but like try to, you know, you be a, well, you, to live in the fifth dimension, I guess being aware that you're aware is the first step, okay? And I don't know how you do that. I try to do that, but I have to always remind myself, you know, just, but, you know, we have the, we have the spirit living in us and every Christian knows this, but I don't know if they, they take that like literally, okay? I mean, we really are a spirit being, you know, and this three-dimensional like atoms and stuff like buzzing around at whatever like frequency is not who we are. And, and they've proven that scientifically. And so if we can walk around looking at our three-dimensional buzzing atoms and molecules as that from our spirit being, which is this light being, okay, or, you know, whatever it is, spirit, then we don't have to take ourselves quite so seriously, okay? Like, almost like, well, look at that guy, okay? Oh, look at that guy. Oh, that guy's being jealous. Huh. He, he's being kind of silly right now. And so sometimes when I'm, um, this has nothing to do with darkness, but, but sometimes when I'm able, to, when I'm trying to deal with some of my shortcomings and my problems, I can look at my, my life from that point of view. From my spiritual man because he's way stronger to get victory in all these areas okay the, the, our spirit inside of us is pretty darn powerful i mm -hmm. mean real powerful way more powerful than these dark entities um way more powerful i mean and, and plus if you were to believe that you know christ lives in you too i mean okay we are made up of this this god that is very, very freaking powerful, period. And it's just a matter of putting it into practice. And I've n I haven't had, you're, you're the first community I've had, okay? And, um, and it's all, you know, of course it's online. I mean, you're what, you're what, it, way over, we're on opposite coasts, I believe. You're yeah. in, in Canada, right? Yeah. Over by New York, right? So, and we're on the, we're over here on the West Coast. Um, so, um, but it's, it's a good, it's a good community, you know, and, and that, I, that, that one girl, that was interesting that she was from Humboldt County. Yeah. yeah that, that, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. Oh my God, there's two people from Humboldt County. But, um, uh, so I, it's, I don't know. I, I hope that I can help other people realize, you know, drug addicts, I think a lot of them are searching for spirituality when they turn to drugs. A hundred percent. And, and they don't, and help people, you know, it's like, you need, you know, you are, you know, something's wrong with this world. Okay. And you want to feel different. You're not necessarily, you know, you're not just some like, I mean, society has been programmed to tell a drug addict, they're the lowest, most disgusting member of society. You are worthless. They'll put you in prison, you know, you are just horrible. And, and then that doesn't help anybody. And um, it's like looking for a spirituality through drugs. And then if people can realize that, okay, you can find that through your own consciousness without drugs, okay? You don't have to take drugs and you can 
you can find what you're looking for without drugs. That's super important um, to help people with addictions. And, and I know they're starting to do that even with psychedelics. That might be good for some people that if someone's tried everything else, um, I, I don't know if I would do psychedelics. I don't think I would need to, but um, so I think that's really important. But I mean, does it seem like something happened to society a few years ago where we're able to be more aware of these things? Like we got downloaded something in our bodies or something? Yeah. Because I believe that had to have happened because I used to close my eyes and meditate and this never happened. Mm -hmm. But I, I know that's what Jessa Reed believes and a lot of other people, but um, I, I just, but I believe a lot more people will be waking me up because of that. It's like something literally happened in our physical bodies, maybe three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. You know anything about that? Well, I don't know what it specifically was, um, but I definitely, definitely, definitely felt that. And I, my best guess, but this is sort of me cobbling backwards from where we are yeah. now, is yeah. that Yeah, I don't know what the trigger event was or if there even was a trigger event or if this is just, you know, we reached sort of a tipping point in in the yeah. cycle. But like I I personally, even though it sounds like a bunch of new age fluff that we are becoming like crystalline beings rather than carbon um, beings, okay. I I believe that it's true. And the way I understand that is is simply that like carbon and other sort of um types of rock. I can't remember the three kinds of rock that aren't technically like crystal specimens, but you know, like granite, for example, um, when you look at it under a molecular microscope, it is amorphous. It's disorganized yeah. in its um, molecular arrangement. So it's yeah. just like a bunch of matter, but it, it isn't, it's yeah. It's just kind of like chaotic. It's very still because it's a rock, but it's in, in the way that it's structured and built, it's, it's chaotic. Whereas, or I don't know if chaos is the right word, this disorganized, but whereas crystal um, under a molecular microscope is very organized. And so yeah. that's why crystal like quartz is used literally in our devices and yeah. like radios were called crystal sets before they were called okay. radios because they're able to transmit energy, like the energy passes through them and they can project it in a straight line, almost like a laser. Okay. And we are similarly becoming organized in that way in okay. our physical structure so that we are able to conduct energy and consciousness with greater clarity and precision. And I think a lot of it is just like, the more of us awaken, the more of us awaken. And the, yes, yeah. And like I explained in, in the energy report I recorded yesterday, and I, I just saw your comment just before we started. Yeah. So I know you heard yeah. it. Yeah. That I feel this new wave of awakening happening right now. And it, for me, it felt very uncomfortable, especially this past week. Like just really, yeah. really. Uh, even right now, like, I feel like I could cry the whole time we're talking. I'm not yeah. sad. I'm having a great conversation, yeah. but it's yeah. almost like this background awareness yeah. or like empathic level of sensitivity to yeah. the new awareness and empathic level of sensitivity that yeah. suddenly people are receiving as they awaken for the first time. So it it's not like 
you know, you and I have awakened and we're just awake now. We're like yeah. everything. We're just awake. We don't have anything else to do. It's like, we're, <laughs> we're always climbing up the next rung of the ladder. Yeah. And so yeah. as more people right. awaken right now, it's shifting us up to the next level of sensitivity. Okay. And, and so I think even like back, well, I, I mean, for me, obviously it started really started in earnest seven years ago when Killian died. Um, mm. And then, and then I, the next jump I really noticed was in 2020 for obvious reasons, but I think a lot of people awakened in 2016 because Trump was elected and whatever okay. side of that, you know, you fell on at any given time, like whether you thought that was a great thing or a terrible thing, or if you were like me and you're like, I got enough going on, I can't even yeah. formulate an opinion. Yeah. Um, regardless, it was a real trigger event for a lot of people to start seeing reality in a, mm -hmm. at least in a more critical way. And yeah. if not fully spiritually awakening, at least being like, wait a minute, what's actually happening here and questioning the yeah. assumptions that we had. I honestly feel like whenever enough of us do that, start to like question, essentially what it feels like to me is that, so if, if this is all a dream, which I genuinely believe it is, it's all a holographic dream projection. And we yeah. are all, we all think we're individuals, but we're actually yeah. characters of one mind that's dreaming yeah. and the more of us within the dream that are waking up to various levels of like this is a dream i am a dream construct mm -hmm. this whole reality is malleable <laughs> the more the more that becomes accessible to others who are still asleep within the dream mm -hmm. like you know, like, so even if they have, even if they're not awake and, and like, they're just asleep and they decide to go to a meditation class with their friend, like their friend has invited them a billion times. And this is the time that they're like, fine. Okay, whatever. I'll go with you. And they're totally skeptical. They're not expecting anything. They may have a big experience that yeah. time, not because they are on that frequency in a cultivated way, but because that frequency has been cultivated by so many people that it's way more accessible to them to get sort of like pulled up into it. And oh. I also think that's why time feels like it's moving so fast is because the more of us wake up, the less physical and static and slow moving and yeah. sort of like murky and swampy this reality feels yeah. and the more like ephemeral and light and fast and fleeting it feels. Oh. You know, you said, uh, like, I also in my meditations, I'm always on a spaceship, too, hmm. which I don't know what, what that are means. are these ships? Yeah, it's like like we're traveling somewhere in a spaceship, and then we, we come out of the, like, um, the, the game for a minute and watch, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you said something about that. I, 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 and I understand that our meditations are, are, are our minds. And that's why, you know, I have fun with all this stuff, but, but that's something I see over and over is that, um, that, that, I know I get a lot of dreams where a lot of meditations where I get to fly over beautiful places and, um, you know, and I don't know if nothing else, it's fun right? <laughs> you know, to, to see it, to see other worlds and really beautiful sceneries. And, um, uh, it was funny. You're talking about a dragon. I, I, 
this big animal that I've been flying on could, you know, maybe I thought it was a giant horse. I don't know. Maybe it was a dragon. I don't know. <laughs> I well, know I, all this stuff is interesting. You I know? think there are Pegasus creatures too. It's yeah. Pretty, it's yeah. so funny because like, uh, just to speak to continuing awakening, yeah. like yeah. <clears throat> three years ago, I never would have imagined I would have been talking about dragons yeah. and Pegasus yeah. creatures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <I> know. <laughs> but here I am. It's, yeah. But we have, to, but the thing is, I close my eyes and this reality is right here. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's, it's all around us. It's, it's something, it's something. I mean, it's like my eyes are open, so I can't be aware of it because I'm in another reality that, that, that is, that is, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still really new at all this, but um, learning all this has definitely kept me clean and sober. I have no desire to get high, and I'm grateful for that. I mean, I don't know if I could get any higher than my meditations. Um, that's about as high as you can you can get, you know? Yeah, that's and, amazing. And so I don't know. And, but it's, I don't know, it's hard. It, <laughs> I don't know. It's... It's, uh, I don't know, it, there's, uh, we, you know, as far as Jesus is concerned, I still like Jesus. So, me I'll, too. I'll say that. You know, he was a good example. Um, I'm going to still be a Christian. I can, there's no churches in Humboldt County that I can go to because they all teach eternal conscious torment. I don't yeah. understand that. That bothers me that grown adults believe that doctrine. That, I don't understand how anybody can believe a loving God could also send anybody to hell, but much, much less someone that just doesn't believe the way you believe. That really blows my mind, um, actually. I, I, think, I, I think it's a combination of um, root chakra and crown chakra trauma frequencies. Yeah. I really do. Right. I think, I think that like, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's part of that process that I know I mentioned at the beginning of heart star, where I yeah. feel like our, our connection, like down below our roots. So our, our chakra mm -hmm. line, the um, Sushumna line is supposed to continue all the way down into the heart of the mother okay. and all the way up into, I call it the holographic central sun, but it's ultimately like, you know, the mind of God, the divine masculine father mind. And yeah. we are supposed to be connected to it at all times. And in our divine it. blueprint, our original blueprint, we would just be walking around. I honestly believe in the Christ consciousness state where we know we are the divine child of a mother yeah. that loves us beyond, beyond, beyond words and a father that loves us beyond, beyond words and a mother and father that love each other. Like it's just a tr perfect Trinity of well, love. How, and how did we get hijacked? Somehow we got hijacked and I don't know yeah. how, but we got, I, we got hijacked with a different consciousness came in from yes, somewhere. It did. I did. And, I, I do believe that there is a, um, a fallen consciousness that, you know, I can only speculate at the motivations of that fallen yeah. consciousness. And also yeah. I think that the motivations, like as we descend down through the dimensions. Yeah. So for example, 
up closest to source, the motivation that I see was just simply a curiosity to like, just want to look at this creation that these higher beings were participating in. It was that, that simple and like kind of innocent and clean. It was still though at its core, it was a a decision to turn away from source, a decision to turn away from God and move in the direction of like fulfilling a self desire, which was to look to, to peer into this creation. And then when it fell, then it plays out as a different narrative with more intense polarization between the dark and light, almost like, almost like, you know, like William, when he was, I don't know, like nine or 10 months, oh my God, he fell down all the stairs in our farmhouse. And I, I just couldn't get to the stairs fast enough. And I just watched him roll down, bounce down every single step. And it was all, he was fine, but I was highly traumatized. He was fine, but it's almost like in that fall with every stair that is being bounced down through every different dimension, the story becomes more polarized, more pronounced. There's like down here, we experience it as extremes of evil Mm. and love and like total selfishness and total um, benevolence. But I do one of the, the narratives that does make sense to me or resonates as possibly true for me as one of the ways that this story plays out is at a certain level, not the highest level, but at a certain level, I do kind of resonate with the narrative of Lucifer being like originally like God's most beloved creation, first creation, Mm -hmm. most, you know, exalted creation. And then God created Adam, a human of clay that was supposed to come down to this place and get to experience Mm -hmm. it, get to have free will, get to be a creator, get those gifts. And Lucifer was, and and God is like, look at my amazing creation. And God is, and Lucifer's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. no, I'm a, no. This is bunk. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going yeah. to earn. I'm yeah. going to be here, and I. So yeah. I do believe that there is like an element. I don't know. It's the Scorpio in me. It's the scorned oldest child in me that, like, you know, felt mm-hmm. that feeling of being usurped when my sister was born. I think it's that. That makes me understand. I'm not saying it's like a fact. It's just the way that my mind no, understand it. No, it, it 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 could be. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and the Bible can be read that way. And I think the Bible's meant to be read that way and discussed that way. That's the whole point of it. It's a lot of stories that we can talk about and learn from, and not to be taken literal. You know, right? Exactly. Right. If, yeah. if only to help us yeah. understand these principalities, yeah. which yeah. may not even yeah. be graspable to us without yeah. a narrative because they're right. so abstract yeah yeah and i know jewish people talk about these stories and you know and that they don't you know that's the whole point what what can you learn from them so mm-hmm. you know the bible can still be a good book to learn from and you don't have to take it absolute you know this is the absolute word of god and and i don't believe that a lot of christians don't believe that you know mm-hmm. that that it's inerrant word of god I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't listen to people that believe that, because for one thing, you're saying this is the word of God now, according to your worldview, what your parents believe, what church you grew up in, what uh, there's so many obstacles in the way of how you believe that you can't say this is clearly what the Bible says. No, it's not clearly. 
And that's what, you know, people will say when they're trying to prove a point. And then, it's not, it's not clear. Uh, yeah. No, if it was clear, clear, everybody would agree <laughs> on it. Right. But it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's no. So... And yeah. So, but there's, that's why I, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't get into argument with anything like that. You know, um, I, 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 we adopted a daughter that her name is Sky in 1998. I'm going to tell you real quick. And this is the opposite. This is a, you know, we couldn't get pregnant. And um, I, I thought maybe might this story might be interesting. And anyway, the mother was a drug addict. The biological mother was a drug addict. You want to hear the story? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, she lived with us and we were going to adopt the baby um, uh, from her because we couldn't get pregnant. My wife, my first wife had gotten cancer and we, she couldn't get pregnant. Anyway, she's living with us. And then seven months, uh, uh, she's along with the pregnancy. And then she's out doing drugs almost every day. And she's pregnant and not taking care of herself, living with us. And then one day she calls me and she's in front of a, this drug motel and she's got blood everywhere. And she says, Tim, you got to come get me right now. And so I went and I picked her up and she's got blood everywhere. And I raced her to the emergency room. and. Uh, she had been with three men that night, shooting up cocaine all night, pregnant, having sex with three men, you know, seven months pregnant with the baby we're adopting. Anyway, I raced her to the emergency room, um, almost knocked the doors down. I finally got them to come out with uh, a way, you know, to get her. They, they put her, they reeled her in. And they, you know, they said, Tim, the baby is broken away from the placenta. So the baby's not getting oxygen. Um, the mother is losing blood. Probably the mother could die and the baby's probably not going to be alive because she's cut off from oxygen. Okay. So I'm just like devastated. So they do a quick C-section and, uh, and then I, I wasn't in there for that part. And then they come out. And the doctor's in tears and goes, okay, well, the baby was pink and crying and nothing we did made that baby. There's nothing medically happened to where that baby should be alive. And we don't know if Christy were giving her transfusion and she'll probably be okay. And so, of course, she got put in an incubator and I went every day and hold this little bitty three pounds, something like that, you know, for a couple months and, and, I, I guess my point is that these little souls have nothing to do with, uh, I don't know, when they're going to come, they're going to come. It's, 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 I, it had nothing to do. It's like, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I, I was supposed to tell you that story, but, um, and then she's fine. She's almost 25 now. And, is 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 doing okay and and, and it, it seems like so you know and you and you probably it just was so and you went through all this heartache and i just that had to be a horrible thing for you to go through and there's no reason why sky made it should have made it and then she just did for no no reason like the mother did not take care of herself she couldn't have been more and 
I mean, there's nothing physically that she did to take care of herself that would make any sense for her to be, for the baby to be born healthy. And yet the baby was still born. And that which tells me that there's a lot more going on about these babies than, than what we think. When I heard your story, especially, I thought about that. Well, this has a lot more to do with these than, than stuff that we, when you realize what, what you believe happened, it made me realize that, well, we don't, we don't, there's so much more going on that we don't have a clue with. Yeah, exactly. um, You know, and um, so uh, that, I don't know if that was slight. And anyway, that, that was Sky's story. And, and that was a great spiritual experience too, being a father, because I got to be a father and a mother because <laughs> my wife didn't like the infant. And so I fed it every bottle of Infamil and changed every diaper. So I was as much of a mother as you could be and, uh, and put it in daycare after only having it at home after a month because I had to work. So, oh, that's really, really, really hard. I, I, I know it was... It was, it was ridiculous, but I don't know why she, Janet wouldn't, she just could not handle the infant. She could not, that changed when Sky got to be around three and, and that completely changed. She was interested, but for, for the first two years, she just really couldn't handle it. And I didn't have any problem. I, it was not a big deal. You know, I loved feeding little bottles of infamil if you heat them up that was nice you know it was no big deal but anyway that's another long story what happened there but um anyway bless you but but, but, but that was a spiritual experience um nursing the baby every meal and doing that it was it was i mean it was pretty pretty intense so bless you for doing that tim like for for just being that for that little girl that you know had a very traumatic probably conception and gestation and entry into the world and uh you know i'm sure a very traumatic infancy and it just um strikes me right now how you know there's these little little bits of grace that we're given even in even in very difficult circumstances. And I think that you and your desire to like that you cared so much when you were called by the birth mother in that state of emergency, that you were there, like your energy was going to like caring that this baby was born alive. And that even when your wife, your ex-wife couldn't receive her and be with her, even though you had agreed together to to adopt a new baby that you cared and you wanted her. I just, that's really beautiful. And, you know, it can feel like a drop in a bucket of like all the trauma and all the hardship in a person's life. And yet those little drops, those are those little moments of grace are often the thing that carries somebody through a very, otherwise very difficult situations. And I can, I can kind of imagine that with your ex-wife is possibly like current life trauma and possibly past life trauma, possibly lineage trauma that like, she just didn't even know, like, especially because, you know, in the nineties, I don't know about 
I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't walking around thinking in those terms. I mean, it wasn't until the early 2000s that I even, I think, read, yeah, that I even read Conversations with God and started to like learn about, you know, the the journey of souls and destiny of souls books by Michael Newton and the many lives, many masters by Brian Weiss. And like, so that kind of stuff really wasn't on my radar in the nineties. I don't think it was on most people's radars. There were of course a few precursors that were holding that Mm -hmm. frequency for us, but I can imagine it would probably have taken you both by surprise that all of a sudden there's this trauma that she can't identify, can't see, but everything in her survival wiring is telling her just to push this baby away. So she doesn't have to be present with the feeling it elicits in her. That's super hard. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure why. Yeah. I I never really thought about it much back then. Um, But I don't know. I guess it was, I I don't know. That's a good, I never thought about it much. Why? Because she didn't have to work. She was at home every day. But, but the baby still went into a daycare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was, that was a long time ago, 1998. But, um, but anyway, she ended up dying. Um, and my first wife had a lot of, but, well, when you get to me, my age, you end up being around a lot of death. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess at a, at a certain point, it's like yeah. it starts to become more of a common yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I, I hope that in the future that I'm able to, I, 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 there's been a few people that know a little bit about what I've been doing and they know I believe in the simulation theory and, and all these kind of things. And the thing is when, when you, when you wake up, it doesn't have to take 20 years to wake up, you know, it, it can mm-hmm. happen fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, um, like we have this within us. And l- like when I, l- when I hear these Buddhists like talk, I, I think Buddhism is great. And, 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 but some of these ascended masters, they'll talk and like, well, it took me the first 20 years to do this, the second 20 years. And then so, well, so it's going to take me 50, 60 years to get enlightened. I mean, that can be discouraging. Okay, mm-hmm. or you know, Tibetan, but what they're doing is really the same thing that was what you're doing in some ways, as far as what they're trying to seek within. Because whenever I, I listen to any of them talk, it's it's all the same kind of thing of, of what they're trying to find, you know, um, about reality. It's like all of it's kind of interconnected. And, and I don't believe you have to go sit in a cave and fast for 20 years to be able to be awakened because it really is right there inside of us. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how accessible it was. It's right there. Mm-hmm. And we all are able to have this inside of us. We need, it's good to have a community, but we don't have to go like we don't i mean it's good to have a teacher kind of but we don't i mean you woke up without a teacher right totally. you probably you probably would have liked to have someone to talk to but you don't have i mean i did this all by myself 
and and I'm not saying I didn't have a few people to talk to and thank God there's podcasts. If it wasn't for podcasts, that makes a big difference. Okay. At least you can find people who are, I mean, today, at least you can find something that you can relate to on a podcast. So that's kind of like having people in a way, but it's not the same. So, but I, I, every person listening to this podcast, if you're, we, you have this spirit in you that is connected to God that knows the answers, period. <laughs> Absolutely. So, that's, and, that's exactly it. And I, I really appreciate the reference you're making to the communities um, in this episode or this conversation we're having, because yeah. that really is my, <clears throat> my vision, my, my, um, my desire. I believe, Tim, that you carry as like important of a puzzle piece as I do. And I, I'm creating these communities inviting people to join them because I know I have a lot of puzzle pieces to transmit. Yeah. Um, but I don't just want to be a teacher. I, I want to also hear your things. I want to hear like on our last, um, call for heart star when, uh, Randy shared like his wins and his vision, like the progression of his vision. Like I want to hear those things. We, we're all in this together. It's not about a hierarchy. I just literally think about this stuff all the time. And I have a lot of things. I'm a, I'm a talker, obviously. Um, but I believe that community is, is sort of the, the thing we need moving forward that we're just not meant to do it alone. We can, just like you said, we can, we can, but it does go slower when you're doing it alone. It goes so much faster when you're doing it with a community and yeah. you get to hear other people and the the puzzle pieces they carry or the code pieces they carry, and you get to share yours with others. It's really a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about when you when you share with close friends and family that, or especially family, and they look at you like you're crazy, or uh, have you been through that experience? Oh, uh, that was my entire 20s and um, the majority of my 30s. And that really didn't shift for me until I started the podcast because okay. I felt so alone. I felt like just like a crazy person all the time based on those reactions. Yeah. And I was having these huge realizations and all I wanted to do was just share them. Like I, there was something in me that felt compelled. And now I understand it's because if it's just cycling around inside of yourself, it almost can start to not that it turns into a psychosis, like a mental illness, but it it becomes these looping. It, it needs to actually go out into like, I'll call it the organic matrix into the hologram. It, yeah. it actually needs to pass through us somehow and anchor into this reality. And um, so I would try to have those conversations and I would get my big thing was like, luckily nobody was really rude to me. They just, I felt like I got dismissed all the time. Like I was just some kind of like Luna Lovegood or um, like just this hippie that I, don't know, I didn't even do a lot of drugs. So nobody could actually make it about that, but it was, it yeah. was still the same energy of like, yeah. 
Amy's just out in the clouds, whatever. And yeah. um, it was very hurtful. If it, I, looking back, I'm kind of like, wow, I was <laughs> Sally sensitive because it's really not that big of a deal that they yeah. reacted that way, but I felt very hurt by it. And then yeah. I started the podcast <laughs> on an inspiration. It was really, I just could, it's almost like I could feel more awakening coming, yeah. but I didn't have any big ambitions about it. I just was like, I, I know that there are more people like me. I know that there are people who feel yeah. so lonely and so alone. Yeah. And I just want to talk about it and talk about spiritual awakening journeys and help other people to feel like they're normal. And when I did that, and there was somewhere for this to go, even though at first my podcast only had like 25 or 50 listeners, it still just felt a lot better. And then I didn't need, I didn't feel like I needed to share it with my friends and family. Now, fast forward, my 18 year old son is like totally awake. So I can talk to him about all this stuff. And then my mom is um, like, she's awakened a lot over the last year, a lot, a lot, a lot. And my dad, nope, doesn't want to talk about it. And I would say both of my sisters don't want to talk about either, but It's okay. I don't feel like I need to talk to them as much anymore because I have all of you guys yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that sometimes you talk in a prayer language? Is that um, like just come from within you in a spirit? Um, when you is that what that is? Because, yeah. Well, well, I I do it too, and all the time, and it makes me feel really good. But where's is yours coming from? It feels, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I call it light language. I think prayer language is okay. that that is what it feels like. It feels like a prayer and yeah. it feels like it comes from a higher space of my consciousness that has figured out a way to use my voice, but bypass yeah. my mind. So yeah. it doesn't feel like an actual language, the same way that Italian is yeah. a, a language with rules and systems. Yeah. Um, it feels more like sounds that are coming through that are a better representation of the energy that I am transmitting the same way that a song without lyrics is almost like a purer transmission in a way than a song with lyrics, even though they are both valuable. Okay. Well, I mean, Christians have a version called praying in tongues, which is a horrible way to put it because that that sounds kind of weird, you know, but, um, but, and then there's a whole chapter in the Bible, first Corinthians 14, that talks about that even. So it's interesting, yeah. but, but, but it, it may, it, I, I, I do it. If nothing else, it makes me feel really good because yeah. it does, buy, it does bypass your brain and it feels like it comes from a higher place. And, you know, and even the Christians claim that it'll help you intercede for situations when you don't know how to pray, it'll help you intercede for that situation. You know, cool. Um, so it just gives you words. So th- that was another thing that I was, when I heard you do that, I go, oh, well, that's cool. Because to me, it sounded just like you were doing that. Okay. I, I recognize that prayer language immediately. You yeah. Go, oh my God, she's praying in a prayer language. Okay. So I, I'm just telling some things that I connected with immediately. And then, yeah. and then, and then I love that you use the term Christ consciousness because you can't, you know, Christians, if I tell them that, you know, I am here to Christ consciousness because Christ lives in me and I can show them that biblically and they can't argue with me. So, you know, right. That's right. How exactly yeah. you can't, you can't yeah. actually really truly 
argue it. You can have an, you can argue vehemently for your opinion that it's not so, but right. you, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, but I'm not even, I'm not really worried about that, but I was really glad that, that you're, you're willing to, I, I'm just glad that, that, I mean, I think that's a great way to put it. It resonates with what I believe and it feels right for what I believe. And a lot of people, I think, like to use that, those terms, you know, for, for, um, I mean, kingdom of heaven, Christ said the kingdom of heaven, it's not definitely this, this world's consciousness is not the kingdom of heaven. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not. Maybe, maybe Christ meant the kingdom of heaven is, you know, that other consciousness. I would imagine that has something to do with it. You know, mm -hmm. probably, you know, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. I'm really glad yeah. we found each other, Tim. I'm really glad. I, that... I am too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, it's, I know th things, how, that's how things work out. They, you know, you, you find you're the first time, you're the only time I've ever been a patron of any podcast. So, you know, <laughs> I've listened Thank to you. so many, I, you're, I've, been, I've been to so, I've listened to so many podcasts and I don't know. Uh, that makes and, me so happy. And like yeah. yesterday, yeah, I, I shared on the energy report yesterday, just it means the whole world to me, my, yeah. like my, my Patreon crew and my heart star crew. I just am so thankful to yeah. all of you. Um, yeah. yeah, it just, it means a lot. So thank you. And yeah. thank you for this conversation. It was truly excellent. Your, your journey. I mean, I know, and I know I could tell that that was like truly the abbreviated Coles notes version <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many yeah. other, like we could have just taken one event and probably talked for two hours about like yeah. one given event. Um, yeah. and maybe we will sometime, but I really appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing your journey and your perspective. Um, I, I just found it very inspiring. Well, thank you, Amy. I mean, I'm, I'm learning every day and I hope all of us are learning and, you know, and that we can, uh, remember to, what's important, what's really important. And, and I, I've heard you say that, you know, let's have fun with this too, you know? Yeah. We can have fun with this consciousness thing and not take everything so serious all the time. And 100%. that's a good way to look at this stuff. It, it can be fun, you know, at the same time, you know? Yeah. So, it's, so. it's a party in Hardstar. It's a party in Patreon. Yeah. Come join everyone. Come, yeah. come, home, come be part there of these cool conversations. Yep, there you go. Because, <laughs> yeah, it has to be that way. It yeah. needs to be that way. Okay, <laughs> while, while the world's being saved, have fun, right? <laughs> That's right. Let's have fun. Yeah. Save the world. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Right. Thank you so All right. much. Thank you, Amy. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.